Marshy, we're joined now, um, of course, by our good mate, uh, Tony Johnson, TJ on the line. TJ, how are you, pal? Hey, fellas. Dino, how are you, mate? Yeah, good. Thank you, mate. Hey, look, let's start. Let's get into it, uh, TJ. Last night, you were there. You called it um, Chiefs versus Brumbies. Your thoughts on that game, mate, because that was a close one. Well, it was kind of the polar opposite of what we saw on Friday night. You know, we saw a game that a phenomenal performance by the Crusaders made it a one-sided game last night. It was in the balance until right at the end. You always felt that the Chiefs had the edge, that they had the capability to, to strike the blow. It kind of reminded me of almost one of those great heavyweight boxing clashes that we <laughs> saw in the 1970s when you had the likes of Foreman and Frazier and Ali and Ken Norton. They were landing heavy blows, but no, they couldn't knock each other out. So I, I thought it was a terrific game of a completely different complexion and I know that uh, you know use, to use one of Marshy's um, terms if I'm allowed uh, you know we like super rugby's always been about the razzle dazzle but uh, to me it was great that we, we there's still room for a match like that which was almost kind of like a beautiful version of trench warfare <laughs> Yeah, you're absolutely right, um, TJ. I was the same as you. I was watching that game. It's going right down uh, to the wire, as close as. But many names, many players from either side. But one thing I noticed too, and Marshy is probably reminding me a little bit of him, but maybe not as much. But Nick White, boy, is he the lippiest player in rugby at the moment? Yeah, they, they kind of went went about winding him up. And I, I, at one stage, the, I was I actually said, what's he doing? Well, then the replay showed that um, I think it was uh, Tupovai. You just give him a little cuff around the ears and so they were definitely trying to wind up but you almost Marshy I think you take you take that almost as a sign of respect isn't it they realize how important he is to the game so anything they can do to, to throw him off his stride um you, you try and get away with it I think Brody Retallick was uh, having a lot of fun in that regard too yeah he certainly was TJ and hey thank you so much for joining us on a Sunday uh, after working last night really appreciate it as always, um, yeah, that's that's par for the course with a nine. Usually, it's you being able to unsettle others, but um, <laughs> Nick, Nick White seems to uh, when he gets throwing a hook, he seems to bite at it every time. Um, yeah, good summary of that game. I, I totally agree with you. It was fascinating to watch. Uh, you kind of always felt that it was inevitable that eventually the Chiefs would get there, particularly when the Brumbies um, gave away so many opportunities um, inside the Chiefs zone. Uh, by coughing the ball up or turning it over, that the Chiefs were finally going to wear them down, which eventually happened. But um, I, I wouldn't mind just digressing quickly onto the the Blues Crusaders game because you've called a lot of the Blues games this year. Um, what what happened? What what do you think happened? Well, to me, um, I, I suppose I'm a bit of a glass half full guy, and and to me, what happened was something we've seen so often in the past, and you've been part of it, mate. Um, in fact, at one stage, I started thinking back, it was a 2002 in a certain match against the Waratahs. The score was never going to be that big, but to all intents and purposes, the, the, the domination was. Um, the, the, the Crusaders always, uh, in their great seasons, they pick a moment to, to just make this definitive statement, OK, we've gone into championship mode, and, and that's what happened on Friday night. I just thought the intensity, the velocity of their game but none of that's any good unless you're accurate because you can't sustain it unless you're accurate, and mm. they had that. And, and the Blues just had no way of dealing with it. Uh, they completely, their, their whole defensive system went off the rails. Guys mm. were making really poor decisions on defence, biting in, uh, rushing up, whatever it was, mm. uh, because they were just completely bamboozled. 
And, and I, I just thought it was an absolutely phenomenal performance by the Crusaders. And they just put the Blues through the mincer. It was a very disappointing way to end the season for them and for Leon McDonald to, um, I guess, end his tenure with the Blues, in which they've, they've threatened but haven't quite been able to take that final step. But to me, it was just it was just all down to the way that the Crusaders went about their business. And you could tell just the reaction of the players, Lester Flaying up Nuku, for example, mm. the way, you know, the, the, the way he, you know, just celebrated every single moment, um, but also the looks of glee, satisfaction, or, you know, that, that sort of stony-faced satisfaction that you saw on the face of Scott Hansen, that they were well up for that game, that everything that they'd planned for came off. The only thing that worries me about it, and great summary, and you're, and you're bang on, is how do you reach that level of perfection and intensity, you know, two weeks on the bounce? I'm sure the Crusaders will find a way, but it was such a complete performance. Conversely, like the Chiefs have had two pretty tough weeks, and they haven't been as the fluid team that we saw, mm. particularly sort of start of the season, and then they had a little fluctuation, and then they came right again. Who do you think's in a better space right now leading into this final? Well, I think it's going to come down to whoever can best replicate what they were able to do at the weekend. Um, you know, we know what threats that the Chiefs have on attack. They, they didn't get the chance. The conditions obviously uh, dictated to that. But, but also, you know, you've got to credit the Brumbies. They're just such an obdurate side. They, they just stuck in and, and, and made their tackles and what have you. Um, but, yeah, whoever bounces back. I suppose the one thing the Crusaders have got in their favour is that they, they do get an extra day. But I did wonder that uh, on Friday night, thinking, gosh, you know, can they replicate that? And I, look, I think they can. And, and you know, flying on Nuku, I, mean, I mentioned him before, and we love seeing, you know, the fact that Will Jordan's back in form and how mm. good Richie Moonga was just purring away behind that pack. But to me, the two guys that really set the benchmark, that really led the way, um, were Scott Barrett and Cody Taylor. And you think about all the, the, the experience and the power that they are missing at the moment with, you know, the likes of Moody and Whitelock and Blackadder not on the side. I, I just thought it was admirable the way those two guys stepped up and led the way. And, and they'll have to do that again, I'm sure, when they get to Hamilton. Because this time, but this time standing in the way are going to be like uh, the likes of Sam Kane, Brody McRitalic, and I'd probably chuck um, Jacobson into that mix as well. I thought he had a tremendous game last night. And, and to me, that's the fascinating thing about it. And it just, it, to me, it, yeah, as I say, to repeat myself, it just comes back to who's best able to, 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 to amp up and, and reach the level that they achieved in, in, the, in, in the areas that won them the game, that, um, in the semi-final. Who can replicate that in the final wins? Got an all-black team coming out today, TJ, and off the back of those comments, look, I don't feel there's any way that anybody at this late stage could have, could play their way out of the squad. Um, you know, they might have been debating over a couple of positions, and you being the very uh, very good sort of uh, uh, finger-on-the-pulse type guy um, might might be able to have uh, a bit of a input into what zones they might might have been i'm not sure i don't know but um, <laughs> yeah so so basically think, well, you could you could play your way out of the maybe play your way out of the starting 15 but not out of the squad but do you, is it concerning particularly in that blues game the pressure mm. that some likely all blacks that are going to be named today got exposed yeah i, I think so um and look you know mark Tillier has been absolutely fantastic this year uh mm. and and look 
he absolutely will deserve to be in the team. But mm. I think they would have seen him as being one of the guys who kind of just lost the plot a little bit on defence. That he, I, 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 you know, he was one of the guys who was biting in or flying. I think their whole defensive structure fell apart, but it kind of exposed yeah. it. That's just something that they can work on, I, I'm sure. But I think there are probably a couple of guys in there who might be in for an anxious day. I mean, when you've got um, a kind of a glut of... Um, really good sort of fullback stroke winger players, plus you've got three the, the three first fives who can all play fullback. It, you know, the makeup of the back three squad is going to be very interesting to me. I think a guy like Caleb Clark would probably be one of the guys who is in for an anxious day um, because yeah. the other guys, you know, I, mm. I mean, left to find a look who, you know, and, and that's the great thing about, we're, just to, to go off into a bit of a tangent here, great thing about Ian Foster's position, having been, I think not treated particularly well this year, um, but at least he knows that he doesn't have to worry about next year. He can just pick the guys, um, you know, to, to win the World Cup. Next year is just not part of his job description now. Um, so I, that, that could come into But the other guy who, the, the other interesting one to me is obviously they'll pick some extra front rowers. They might pick as many as six props. I don't know, you know, and include Joe Moody uh, with a view to him getting fit for later on in the campaign, something like that. But if, if Tyrell Lomax is our best tight head, would, and I don't know, would you agree with that now, Marshy? Not necessarily, no. No, okay. Um, but I, you know, I, to me, he, he, he's down and but he, he's definitely he's inked into the squad. Yeah. Who's, your, who's the other tight head? Because I know that Nipo Laulala has long been regarded as the best scrummaging tight head prop, but has Tamaiti Williams improved his set-piece play so much and to be part of, a, of an excellent Crusaders scrum, and they, they can't be an excellent um, Crusaders scrum unless he's doing his job, what he gives them around the field as well, you know, what, does that come into it as well? You know, does, does that yes. become part of the equation? Yeah, it does. And, and, and I think he, he, he could quite convincingly be, well, not convincingly, but could be the best tight end in the country because yeah. Crusader's scrum hasn't suffered all year, whichever side of the scrum he mm. plays on, and he's got the all-black hooker alongside him as well. Yeah, if he can play both sides, and that, that's, uh, you know, that I, I don't know, I just, that that's going to be interesting to me. I think they'll probably, with a 36-player squad, they'll probably find a way to include multiple players in, in that role. Mm. Um but as I say, he, he, he strikes me as a guy who could probably, you know, play um, both sides. But I think he's a very good tight head prop. And uh, to, to me, that, that's going to be an interesting selection. Of course, the other one is, is the back three. Um, and, and, and I don't know, I, you, you obviously, you've got Jordan in there. I think Sean Stevenson absolutely deserves to come into the team. Uh, I think Mark Talia, even though there were a couple of defensive slip-ups, so he has improved his defence. To me, you've got, you've got compelling form there. And, 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 and so, you know, th- those are guys who, to me, have, through the course of Super Rugby, I, I think made a, a pretty open and shut case for inclusion. Yeah, it's fascinating, isn't it? You could even say back four, because centre's got to come into the mix. And, yeah. you know, what's, what's in Foster's mindset on Rico? Where, you know, because he can play pretty well on the wing as well. That, that, that fascinates me. Um, I thought Stevenson, um, on a night where it was a game that wasn't open, 
the work he did defensively, but particularly in the air. We need our fullbacks to be good in the air. The way that he caught a lot of those up and unders, Nick White's box kicks last night in wet conditions, TJ, they would have been really pleased to see that. And equally, just, I'll, I'll get you to comment on that, but equally, it was fascinating for me to see that, you know, uh, McKenzie moved to fullback, Bowden Barrett started to move to fullback. Uh, you know, are the All Blacks thinking that way or are they going to select fullbacks in the position, which would be Jordan, to a degree, will be Geordie Barrett and where they think he plays, um, and obviously Stevenson. Yeah, um, Geordie Barrett's form at, at the moment, he, to me, just looks a little bit out of sorts. Uh, but, I, I, you know, class a permanent thing. I, I don't think that's a, a long-term worry. I think he'll, he'll come right. I think there's just been a few frustrations there. But I just get the feeling the way uh, um, they were talking early on in the season that they, they maybe see Geordie Barrett more as a midfield back uh, at, at the outset, uh, mm. you've got three teams who can all play fullback. But you, you think back to 2011, and one of the keys to the All Blacks winning uh, in 2011 was what they did with the wings. And they put Corey Jane on the wing and, actually, and put um, Richard Kahui on the wing. Now, Richard Kahui has never been a fullback, but he's got that skill set, their ability to cope with the high ball. And I think when, when you think of the, the way that teams play, the way that the South Africans, you know, heavily reliant on, on a, a, a kicking game, uh, the kicking mm. game of the Irish. Uh, you could probably even put DuPont, the French, in there as well. I think the ability to, to rotate between fullback and wing, I, I think that's an asset. It, it, it's not a confusing factor. So uh, I just think to have the, the, the ability to switch between one and the other. McKenzie was another one too, um, Justin, in that game last night. Um, I just thought, uh, you know, he played... A pretty measured sort of a game that was required of him. Uh, they kept it yep. pretty simple. Yeah, there were a few wraparounds and whatever, but he stuck. He stuck to the program, but then was just able to come up with that moment of magic late in the game. And uh, you, you mentioned Stevenson there too. Um, I got the feeling that that the pass that leading up to the Retallick try, the pass that he got when he came into the line after McKenzie had made that break, the pass wasn't quite where it needed to be. If the pass had been where it needed to be, he, he, he would have scored that try. But as it was, mm. he managed to take in a difficult pass, keep it going. McKenzie somehow ended up with the ball and Retallick scores. And I, I think it's just little moments like that. It, it's, not a, it's not a searing 50-metre break or a you know, sidestepping his way through the middle of the park or anything. It's just those little touches that he can provide a, a, a pass or a supporting act. To, to me, he, he's a very good footballer. TJ, um, great analysis as always, mate. I'll ask you a fan's question here. Are there, and from listening to you boys, it sounds like there's going to be one bolter to Mighty Williams. Is there anyone else going to be named tonight as a bolter, a real bolt, like an outside left fielder? Well, I don't know whether the term even applies anymore. Mm. I mean, you know, you think back to the days, you know, I'm sort of old enough to remember Graham Thorne being picked out of club rugby to play for the All Blacks. That's a bolter. Mm. Um, <laughs> and, and some odd ones over the, over the years. But um, no, I mean, put it this way. Anyone who comes into the team will, will, will know who they are. Gotcha. Uh, look, there's one name I would chuck into the mix. Okay. And I, I don't know what you think of him, Marshy. I, to me, that the... The number six is, is still the great unsolved question mark. You know, that mm. obviously Kano was such a great player in that position, and we haven't really found anyone to replicate that. Uh, we, and we, we've tried a few. Um, obviously, you know, Frizzell's in the mix of it. Jacobson, although he's been playing at eight, he, he could do it. Papa Lee, he could do it. But 
I, I really every time I see Sammy Penny Finau play, I like him more and more what he brings to the game, and I'm just wondering whether if there's going to be a real bolter, whether it, you know, I don't know. This at this stage maybe not, but at some point, if he keeps going the way he's going, he will be an All Black. I'm just not sure whether it's now. Yeah, absolutely, and and he does remind you, doesn't he, of the way that Frizzell plays, but just with a slightly different set of, of skills. He plays a bit wider, um, so he could come into the mix. Um, still a bit green, but the talent is, is absolutely there. But before we let you go, though, TJ, um, it's going to be fascinating, that all-black naming tonight, but equally there is a Super Rugby final. You'd have to... You'd have to arguably say the best two teams um, over the season are in that final. Uh, you've done, again, a lot of their commentary, both sides. Um, but but uh, what, what in your mind, um, is the team that's going to win that final next weekend in Hamilton? Yeah, this is a dreaded question, really, Marshy. Thank you. Absolutely. Thank you. Better, one of you, You're welcome. You, you can, you've, got a, you've still got a very good pass, haven't you? <laughs> <laughs> and, and you've got 40 seconds to answer it, TJ. Go for it. Oh, good. Well, if I keep waffling, maybe I won't actually have to come up with a definitive answer. Um, look, I just the Crusaders have got it. It's in their DNA, um, but this is a very good chief side. And I just, guys like Kane and, and Retallick, I, I look, to be honest, I can't, I can't pick a winner. I, I really can't. And that's the beauty of the game. I, I just think it, it, it's, it's wide open. But if the Crusaders can play anything like the way they did, last week, then, yeah, I'd probably pick them to win it. But, no, I I wouldn't put a cent on this game, just either way. And, and, you know, what a great thing. And they are the best two teams, so that's the best part of it. That's sure. Um, Hey, much appreciated, TJ. Enjoy the rest of your afternoon, man. Pleasure, guys.